Back pain is a common and difficult problem, and for many with long-term back pain, the direct cause is often elusive. In other cases, there may be disorders of the spine that are causing pain. In any case, when you've tried everything and nothing seems to be working, spinal fusion might be an option to consider that can help. This is We've Got Your Back, bite-sized podcast from OACM's back and pain management team. I'm Prakash Chandran, and I've got a bone to fix with you. Dr. Iwala, really great to have you here today. I was hoping that we could get started by you just telling us a little bit about spinal fusion and how it's performed. Certainly. Thank you for having me. So spinal fusion is one of our mainstays of treatment in spine surgery, and we do employ spinal fusion for patients who are having ongoing back pain, most often with pain that radiates down their legs associated with numbness and tingling. So that's usually due to nerve irritation. And the nerve can be irritated because there's bone spurs that are pinching it or through dynamic motion, the nerve gets dinged a little bit and gets irritated. So spinal fusion, tried and true method in the old days with not a lot of technology, this is 60s, 70s, 80s, spinal fusion was performed by using bone graft that we took from a patient's pelvis and bracing. So that's a non-instrumented spinal fusion. And the newer technology that really started to be popularized in the 90s was instrumented spinal fusion, which involved putting pedicle screws and connecting those to titanium rods, which really helped stabilize the spine and create a great environment for fusion to occur. And later technologies include putting metal titanium or plastic cages in between each of the vertebral bodies in the bone, which again provides support, rigidity, and actually can provide some biology to help fusion occur. Most times this was done through an incision right down the middle of your back, uh, a lot of muscle dissection in order to achieve the fusion. Newer techniques now use uh, CT-guided navigation and even a robot to achieve the same end. Wow, it's amazing to hear how quickly technology has advanced in the area of spinal surgery. I was wondering if you could tell us who is a good candidate for spinal fusion surgery and when they should consider it. Definitely. So I always tell patients who come to see me that we start small. It's my literal quote. And by that, I mean, no matter what the issue is, except for some certain rare cases, if you're having back pain that shoots down your legs associated with the numbness and tingling, Starting small means physical therapy, medication, and time. So the vast majority of patients actually do get better, or at least their symptoms reduce to a level that they're able to do the things that they need to do during the day and sleep appropriately. And so that's why we really focus on conservative treatment. Now, there are a subset of patients that even with physical therapy and medications don't get better. And for those patients, we do have solutions. We can escalate our care. Oftentimes, we'll get a MRI of the back to see what is going on in terms of different bone spurs or discs that might be pinching the nerves and causing pain. And then we can escalate care to include injections of corticosteroid medication near where those nerves are being irritated, which is quite effective. And then for those patients who've tried injections, physical therapy, and medications and are still not getting better, that's when we really start to focus in on a potential surgery, oftentimes a fusion surgery, to help them improve. I see. Okay, so you start small, as you said, just really with physical therapy, medication, and time, as you've mentioned. Then you escalate to potential injections of steroid after an MRI of the back. And then only if all of those things aren't working, would you consider a fusion? Is that a good summary? That's a great summary. 
And one of the things I've also heard about is decompression surgery. Is that related to spinal fusion or is that something different? For sure. Decompression is related. And oftentimes when we fuse, we do both the decompression and the fusion. Again, most of the reason why patients have pain is because of a pinched nerve. And what's doing the pinching is often a disc or it's a ligament or it can be a bone spur. So the decompression refers to removing whatever is pressing on the nerve and leading to pain in those symptoms. There are some rare instances where the pinching of the nerve isn't really related to bone and ligament. It's more related to the height of the disc. And in those cases, you don't necessarily need to do a full decompression, which is removal of the bone and the ligament. You can simply put in a cage to increase the height of the disc space, and we call that an indirect decompression. Patients who have anatomy and pathology that lends to an indirect decompression do sometimes have a quicker recovery because we don't have to do the laminectomy or the decompressive procedure. And then I should say that there are those patients who all they need is a decompression. They don't actually need instrumentation. They don't need screws and rods and cages. And that is patients who might have a focal disc herniation, pinching a nerve, or just a little bit of ligament hypertrophy or ligament growth in the back of their spine. And for those patients, we can just shave away a little bit of the bone, free up the nerve, and do so in a fashion that maintains stability of the spine such that we don't have to worry about putting in screws, rods, and fusing. Yeah, I think the takeaway is that you and your team really try to evaluate all other modalities before using spinal surgery or spinal fusion surgery as a last resort. Still, though, if someone has tried everything and it turns out they are a good candidate for spinal fusion surgery, tell us a little bit about what they can expect from the surgery, the recovery time, and potential outcomes. For sure. So what to expect often depends on how many levels need to be fused. In the ideal situation, you only have to fuse one level because there's only one level that's causing a problem in terms of nerve irritation. So older techniques, which would be the midline incision and kind of reflecting a lot of the muscle tissue and then decompressing and then fusing results in a procedure that usually takes about two to three hours and usually a day two or three in terms of hospital stay. And in some cases, you have to do it in the kind of old-fashioned and traditional manner just because of what the anatomy or the pathology is showing on the MRI. And I'd say still a large percentage of cases are in that traditional fashion. However, we did touch upon it earlier that there is new technology and new techniques. So I'm sure a lot of patients may be familiar with the catchphrases, minimally invasive spine. And in situations where there's not a lot of tightness or squeezing of the nerve roots centrally, you can use smaller incisions on the side of the spine and still be able to get in the hardware that you need in order to fuse the spine. So you can use x-ray or CT navigation or the latest technology that's probably been around for the last two to three years, a robot, which then helps guide where the incisions should be placed and helps guide the screws and the cages through these smaller incisions, which ultimately leads to less muscle dissection, less blood loss for the patient, and a, and a quicker recovery. Now, with a fusion, you usually are going to stay in the hospital for at least a day, just because we don't want to send patients home when they might be in a lot of pain from the fusion. But as soon as your pain is controlled, usually you can 
be comfortable heading out the door. And so for a lot of one-level minimally invasive spine fusions, I have patients leaving the day after the procedure. Yeah, that's definitely much faster than I thought in terms of hospital recovery time. Still, though, I imagine that there is recovery time at home. So maybe you can speak a little bit about that and when they can really expect to start feeling better and resume activities that they potentially weren't able to do before. So obviously, you would have had spine surgery, low back surgery, so your back is going to be in pain. There's not really much we can do to avoid that. Of course, we do everything we can to make patients as comfortable as possible with uh, pain medication. But the first two weeks after surgery, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Definitely stay on top of that pain by taking the medication scheduled and supplementing it, not just with narcotic, which we want to be judicious when we prescribe, but also Tylenol or anti-inflammatories like Motrin and prescription strength ibuprofen. I would say the first two weeks, sore in the back. And then after the two weeks, you start to kind of turn the corner. Not that the pain disappears, but you start to feel a little bit more mobile, a little bit more up for walking longer distances. And in the case of fusion, we really need to wait to allow the bone to fuse. And it goes at its own rate. But usually around three months is when the bone is completely fused and all restrictions on activity are eliminated. So you can go out there and start whitewater rafting and kayaking if you want, usually around that three-month mark. But between the zero to three months, first two weeks, pain, two to weeks to six weeks, better pain, six weeks, you're moving around pretty good, and then three months, we let you go free. Yeah, well, it really sounds, though, that there is the hope of getting back to those activities without the pain that you were experiencing before. Tell me, after that three-month period, is there a need to go back in or do anything else with those screws, or is it just okay to like start living your life with everything that's there? Yeah, the goal is just to start living the life and kind of forget that you even had surgery. I will say that spine surgery and fusion surgery is much more reliable for those patients who have back pain that radiates down the leg and is associated with altered sensation. Those patients who have just back pain alone, fusion surgery can be helpful, but it rarely completely eliminates the back pain. But if you have that unsettling leg pain that makes it difficult to drive, for instance, and a little bit of weakness in your ankle and you can't really move from brake pedal to accelerator and whatnot, after surgery, you should see a big benefit. And really, hopefully, after a few weeks, maybe that three-month mark, you're feeling so good that you're not really thinking about your surgery. And we usually don't have to go back in. I will say that with fusion, you do change the way your spine moves. And so the levels that are not fused do work a little bit harder, but usually they're okay. Only after several years do those levels that weren't fused start to maybe complain a little bit. That's what leads to most of the revisions in spine surgery. It's not so much that the first level that you have fused is breaking down. It's that the levels that were unfused now start to complain a little bit. And again, we start small, PT, medications, time. And for those patients who didn't get better with that conservative treatment, then another surgery can help them. So if someone is listening to this and they are a candidate for spinal fusion surgery, you know, meaning that they are experiencing that radiating pain and they've tried everything else, can you maybe talk to some of the risks that they should consider before making the decision? Certainly. Every procedure has a bit of risk. And that's why we're always cautious before we recommend surgery. And that's why if you can get better without surgery, that's a win. 
but patients shouldn't be terribly afraid of undergoing surgery because the risks are known and we do everything we can to mitigate those risks. So every time you cut the skin for a procedure, there is a risk of infection because bacteria does live on our skin. Of course, during the operating room, we practice sterile technique. We also clean the skin vigorously with powerful antiseptic. And then we administer antibiotics intravenously during the procedure and in some cases after the procedure as well. So that diminishes that risk. There is a risk of blood loss. A lot of times this blood loss is not significant and doesn't necessitate transfusion but you do cut some vessels. That's another reason why if you can get away with a minimally invasive technique, you'll be better off for it. Then, of course, spine surgery is around sensitive structures, namely your nerve roots and your spinal cord or your fecal sac, which is what we call the collection of nerve roots down lower in the back. And so there is a risk of injury. In a skilled hand, that risk is low, probably on the order of one in 1,000. But that is something to keep in mind, that you do have a little bit of a nerve injury. You could have pain, you could have weakness or loss of function. One thing that patients should know that is that even with a nerve injury, if you give it time, nerves do heal. They try and regenerate. They grow at uh, about a millimeter per day. So even with nerve injury, if you give time and sit tight, um, a lot of times you can have a return of function. Yeah, that's definitely good to know. So just before we close here today, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience just regarding whether spinal fusion surgery is right for them? Definitely. I would say that our goal as spine surgeons, especially orthopedic spine surgeons, is to give patients back that freedom. I know that spine surgery may be a little bit harrowing. There might be horror stories that patients have heard. And certainly, I don't want to diminish the fact that there are risks to everything. But really why I became a spine surgeon and why I love doing these procedures is for those positive outcomes where patients weren't able to drive themselves to their favorite vacation spot because they just had too much back pain, too much leg pain, didn't really trust uh, the strength in their legs to break appropriately. And when you are able to help patients get back to doing the things they love, it's very gratifying. So I would say for the right patient, we'll start small, but we'll be with you every step of the way. And when you need a larger intervention to get back to doing what you want to do, then we're right here for you. Well, Dr. Iwala, I think that is the perfect place to end. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That was Dr. Uchechi Iwala, orthopedic surgeon and spine surgery specialist for Orthopedic Associates of Central Maryland Division. For more information, you can head to MD bonedocs.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks for checking out this episode of We've Got Your Back. I'm Prakash Chandran, and that was a bone that's fixed. Stay well. Stay well.